0: Our reading this evening is uh, John, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter one and the first eighteen verses. <coughs> the very uh, famous passage, often associated with Christmas um, lessons and carols services, about Jesus. The Word an appropriate reading today, as many churches um, observe this particular Sunday as Bible Sunday. So the Word is not just a book, but also a real person. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. There was a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known.
1: You will know that there's more than one person in this church called Alan, and Alan is going to come and join me. Come along, please, Alan. Good evening. (laughs) I want you to answer a few questions for the benefit of our friends here. How old were you when Mr. and Mrs. adopted you into their family? And when did you first know that you'd been adopted?
2: Uh, I would have been about a year just over uh, when they adopted me. I remember it well. (laughs) (laughs) When did I first know that I'd been adopted? Um, It's something that I've always been aware of but I have a very uh, clear memory. Uh, I would have been aged probably two and a half, three years of age, bouncing on my father's knee and him asking me, are you glad we adopted you? At that age, I wouldn't have had any comprehension of of the question, uh, but I understood that the answer that was required was in (laughs) the affirmative.
1: Now, there's a... There's a classic question that all uh, interviewers ask now on television and radio. How do you feel about it at the time?
2: (laughs) I can't honestly say I had any feelings about it. How would you at that age?
1: (laughs) Did your parents ever explain to you why they had decided to adopt a child?
2: Not explicitly, no. Um, I guess as I grew older, I understood that It was something um, that they were unable to have children themselves. Um, I think now I understand it was probably in some way connected with the fact that Dad's National Service was done in the Far East. So it was a medical issue uh, as a result of that time. Um, But um, it was something that they never discussed with me, no. no.
1: no. Were there any other children in your family? if they were, did you ever talk together about this kind of thing? Uh,
2: Yes, I have a sister who was also adopted. Um, Again, one of the earliest memories I have is going to uh, choose her with Mum and Dad. (laughs) Um, But no, it was not something that she and I uh, discussed privately, uh, just that as a family it was always something that we knew and would
1: acknowledge, yeah. So again, in this matter of, of of how the home felt, I mean, you, you must have had friends that you visited when you were a child, going to their homes as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, were you conscious of any kind of different atmosphere in the, in your house or the house of people whose children were born naturally?
2: No, not in not in regard to the relationship between um, child and, and parents. No. Mm-hmm.
1: no. So in in that sense, it was a, it was a very uh, happy home that the, and the, the life that you had was a very happy life with your, with your parents very then.
2: happy and so far as I could judge perfectly yeah. normal by comparison to my friends of that mm-hmm. age yes
1: and nowadays we hear quite a lot about people who when they grow up uh, and realise that they've been adopted they feel a need to find out who their natural parents were and some of them go to great lengths to, to try to make contact with them Is that something that you've ever thought about or felt was important? I've never felt
2: it was important. Um, In a way, I almost felt it would be unloving and disrespectful to my parents to do that. Mm. Um, I can't say I haven't thought about it, but it was something that I would certainly never have done whilst they were alive. Mm. Um, They've both died in the last couple of years, and strangely... I don't feel the need to do that now.
1: Yes, yes. I suppose it's a testimony to the reality of the, of the relationship you had with your father and mother that, that there, there was no purpose for you in, 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 yes. in moving away from that, from that position. Now, clearly, you've given us a very positive picture of what it meant to you in your, in your family. Can you think of one particular example where the, the care and love that your father Uh, uh, showed towards you was standing out in your life?
2: I suppose the most relevant example uh, of the love and care my parents showed to me would be that ever since I can remember they took us to church and to Sunday school uh, Sunday by Sunday. And whilst, as children, we may at times have moaned, groaned, hated it—the the usual um, childhood emotions mm. around that. Um, looking back now, with, the hind- this <laughs> <laughs> uh, with hindsight, um, yes, of course, that would be um, the standout for me. Yes.
1: So, the one thing I want you to say, interviewers always do this, the one thing I want you to say is that you felt it was a real benefit to you to be adopted into that family.
2: Absolutely, without a doubt, yes.
1: Thank you very much, Alan. You're we'll, we'll make more of that later. Thank you. This is John. But there were so many Johns when he was being brought up that most people called him Jimmy. He was born over 100 years ago, he left school at 13 and his first job was driving a horse and cart for a laundry. Later he worked in a metal foundry, making lots of things out of metal, including doors for underground trains. He was converted amongst the Plymouth Brethren and he went to heaven 35 years ago. Why am I interested? Because I'm proud to call him my father. And I have the right to be his child. Will you please look with me at John chapter 1 and verses 12 and 13. John 1, 12 and 13. To all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent nor of a human decision or a husband's will but born of God. My relationship with the John you saw was of natural descent. Here the Bible is talking about something different. Not natural descent but Adoption, the right to become children of God. In the last few weeks, we have been looking in the evenings at the subject of Christian assurance. How can we be sure that we're God's children? And we've come this evening to the subject of adoption, which is a key factor in our Christian assurance. It's not just something which is there as a factor. We've just been singing, now I am your child, I'm adopted in your family. What it means, I will sing your praises. It's something that causes us to praise God. We just don't learn about these things. They move us in our worship, in our devotion, in our service for him. This is a very important factor in the Christian life, that we are so sure that we praise God and serve him for Jesus' sake. So we're going to look at what the Bible tells us about the subject of adoption. We're going to look at these main headings, what the Bible tells us. First of all, that adoption was different then. We're talking about Bible times. And if we need to understand what the Bible teaches, we have to first of all say, what did it mean to the people who first read it and heard about it? And you'll find that it's not the same as what comes to our mind with the subject of adoption. Then we're going to look at adoption for Christians today. What does it mean, this concept of adoption? What is its real significance? Then we're going to see how it fits into God's big plan preachers are always telling you you mustn't just take your text and look at it as it is, you've got to see what is the big plan where does it fit into everything and we'll look at that and then in closing we'll look at the matter of how adoption speaks to us tonight what is the message that we're going to take away tonight from the subject of adoption so let's begin with this matter of how adoption wasn't the same then as it is today. Today, as we've heard from uh, Alan, many adoptions take place because uh, a family cannot have children naturally and so they take the opportunity of finding children that are in need and saying, we will adopt them so that we can be a blessing and a help to this family, just as uh, it was in uh, the case of Alan. But in the Bible times, especially in New Testament times, there were three different cultures, see, three different customs where adoption was prevalent. And the first is the, the Roman Empire. You know that Israel was part of the Roman Empire. You have all the Roman soldiers occupying the country at that time. Now, in uh, Roman culture... Babies weren't really very important at all and children were not regarded as highly as they are today. Almost all the adoptions that we read about in Roman times were an adoption of someone into your family who came from a better family. It was to do with social standing. Roman society was very structured And the high families were those that had the power. It was almost a political thing. And if you could get somebody from another family to be adopted into yours, then you could buy in to the status they had and the power they had. You see, it wasn't really for the benefit of the child. It was for the benefit of the parents. Then the other prevalent culture at the time was that of Greece. Because the uh, Greek language had become the common language of the Mediterranean world and we know in Jesus' day there was a whole part of the country in which he lived called Decapolis where there was a great influence of the Greek culture. What did the Greeks think about the matter of adoption? Well, the Greeks' law provided for adoption only in one situation – That's when a family lacked a male heir to carry on the family name. It was all about progeny. It was all about the fact that uh, you had to have your family name continued. And if there was a danger of that not happening, then you were allowed to adopt someone so that your family name would continue. But again, you see, it wasn't for the benefit of the child. It was for the benefit of the family name. But you say, what about the Jews? What do the Jewish families do about adoption? Well, one thing we need to correct ourselves about, we tend to think about most people in the Bible living in towns. But they didn't. Most people in New Testament times in Israel lived in the country. We read about some of them going to school, but they were only the the privileged ones that went to uh, become Pharisees and have special education. Most of the people lived in the country as farms. And do you know who worked on the farm? The children. And so the more children you had, the more workers you had. So if you could when you were feeling a bit of a pinch of how much work you had, if you could find another child that perhaps didn't have any parents and you could adopt them into your family, you had more workers. And the more they grew up, the harder they worked. And, very importantly, the more people who could look after you. There were no pensions, no social security, no provision made for the elderly. What was the provision made? It was your children. So the Jews allowed for adoption for the benefit of the parents. Can you see then how revolutionary this Bible teaching is going to be about God adopting people into his family, not for his benefit, but for ours. So let's move on, shall we, to look at this subject of Adoption, what it means for Christians today. And the first great fact which comes to us from the Bible is that adoption is an act of God, an act of God's free grace. If you want the proper definition from the Shorter Catechism brought up to date in our language, it says, by adoption we are received into God's family and given the right to all the privileges of being children of our Heavenly Father. The key words are there. Family, Father, privileges, and given the right to these things. I asked that we might have this moved just for today. And my friends did it for me. They moved it from over there to here. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Now, there are none of you here who know so much about the King James Version as people like me who were brought up on it. In the King James Version, the last bit, and that is what we are, is missed out. I don't know why. But the great Baptist preacher Spurgeon has the privilege of living at a time when they revised the King James Version and something called the revised version come out. Nobody uses it now. But he preached a sermon on a jewel from the revised version. What was the jewel he found in the revised version that wasn't in the King James Version? It was those last words. And that is what we are. We are the children of God. By adoption into his family, we have that right. I want to just say something about that before we move on. You see, the Bible often talks about becoming a Christian as something that we do. We must repent of our sins. We must do that. We must turn to Jesus. We must ask him to be our saviour. Now, there's nothing wrong We're describing becoming a Christian in terms of what we do. But that's not what this is about. This is about what God has done. It's his side of it. He has adopted us. He has given us the right. It is the act of God's grace far beyond anything that we deserved. When we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the great importance of that is that when God has done it, nobody can undo it. What we have done is often done imperfectly and not well. For when God does something, he does it perfectly, he does it well, and nobody can stop him. No wonder then, this is something to our assurance. We are assured that we belong to him when we are aware of our adoption. The next thing I want to say about it is that it's really about our status and not about our nature. Now that seems a bit technical, doesn't it? But in that text here, you see in John 1, it's talking not about our natural descent. And nature is about what we are in ourselves. But when you think about adoption, it's about the right we have to be his children. The actual word in John 1 is the word for authority. We have the authority to be. Now, let's imagine that um, we were in Alan's parents' home when they decide that they're going to adopt him. And they saw this child, and they had a look at this child, and they decided, yes, they would adopt him. They went through the legal processes of it. You know, Alan's been kind enough to give me something to prove it. I have here nothing less than the legal adoption certificate of Alan when he was adopted and this is all stamped with the right stamps you see this is something legal this is something that's been authorised but you see if the week after he was adopted in this way you looked at that little baby again you wouldn't see any difference would you? no difference in what he looked like if you took the trouble to x-ray him his inside wouldn't have been any different and his nature was not any different. What was different? His status. He was now legally inheriting in that family. He had rights and privileges in that family which he didn't have before. So, although there are things that the Bible says about the new birth and the new nature and our coming into the inheritance of God, What is in sight here is the legality of that and the authority of that. Now what does that mean? Well, the Bible piles it on when the Bible talks about all that this means. Because it talks about about our being heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. So what was Christ going to inherit from his Father? What is the purpose for which the Son of God came into the world and then to enjoy the inheritance in the world to come? All of that becomes ours, not by our nature being changed, but by our legal status being changed. That's what it's all about. That's what adoption means for Christians today. I must put this away because Alan will not forgive me if I don't return that to him safely. One more thing then, about what adoption means for Christians today. And that is, that it's true, whether we realise it or not. Alan knows that he was adopted. But there are some people, who are adopted into a family, and their parents don't tell them. Some of them wait until they're grown up before they tell them. Some of them don't ever tell them. You can be adopted without knowing about it. And very sadly, there are some Christians who have been adopted into God's family but they don't seem to know about it. They don't think about it. They've never really understood what the Bible says about it. And they're still God's children. But they lack something that those who know have. You see, Alan was so thankful to his parents, wasn't he? And we are so thankful to our Heavenly Father. We're thankful that He took us when we are rebels and enemies to Him and brought us into his family and adopted us and all our sins were dealt with by the Lord Jesus Christ and now we are so thankful we want to praise him. We want to thank him. We want to show him. We want to serve him. This is in fact the motivation for something that next Sunday night another preacher is going to talk about the whole matter of being made holy about sanctification. We are sanctified by our responding to God's law and his purpose for us because we're grateful. The motive for our sanctification is the knowledge of our adoption. It's the gratitude we share with all who are his children. Can you see then what it meant for those Christians who first heard about it? Let's move on then. Adoption in God's big plan. How does this fit in to what God has told us about his plan? Well, I want you to turn in your Bible, please, to Ephesians chapter 1. Because you probably remember that Ephesians begins with great praise to God. And Ephesians 1 verse 3 starts like this. Praise be in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace. In God's big plan, our adoption was decided before the world was made, before we were created, before anything of this universe was made, God knew what he was going to do. And he knew he was going to have a saviour for lost sinners and he knew their names and he predestined those who were to be adopted into his family. Don't be afraid of this word predestined. It gets a bad press. Predestination means just what it says. It's about our destination. You wouldn't expect God to start something and not know where he was going. You wouldn't expect him to say, I've got a plan, but I don't quite know who's going to be in it. God has previously decided, these are the ones who are going to be in heaven with Jesus. They're going to be adopted into my family. Now, this was all done before Adam was created, before we were born, before our parents were born, before history opened its first pages. This is what God has done already. Now, what does Paul react to that? He says, praise be to the God and Father. When he comes to this matter about being predestined, he says, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace. This isn't something to mystify us. It's something to move us to worship and praise God for what he has done despite who we were and despite the way in which we lived before it was decided before the world ever was made but now the next thing in God's plan is that it's experienced here and now it's for us to know about and to live through now one other text to look at and that is in the letter to the Romans Romans chapter 8 has a good deal about the subject of adoption in it. We haven't got time to do it all. Verse 15 You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Exactly the same word as we have in all the adoption texts. You have received the spirit of adoption, and by him we cry. Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. The experience of being adopted is something made real to us now by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us as the spirit of adoption. What does he do? He gives us the assurance. He testifies with our spirit. Our spirit says, yes, thank you, Father. The Holy Spirit generates in us, moves us, directs us in our living now as those who have the spirit of Christ, God's only begotten Son, living in us. So as Christians, we have Christ in us. We have the spirit of Christ in us. We have the spirit of adoption. What does it mean? it means we can pray it means we can call him father it means we can come to him in our prayers we can have access to him immediately whenever we need him now I know it's an old picture but it's it's still worth painting again Buckingham Palace with the queen and all the dignity of her authority there And if you wanted to go and see her this afternoon, you'd have to go through a lot of protocol and stages and there would be a lot of scrutiny and probably we wouldn't get in, would we? But what about the days when Prince Charles was living in another room in the palace and he wanted to see his mother? Did he have to go through all of that rigmarole? No. He could go to visit his mother and his father because he's a child in the family and that's what this is about we have the spirit of adoption we can call God our father we can have this intimate relationship with him, we can pray to him and what a blessing it is what a blessing what a privilege this is not just an inheritance for the future, it's something that we enjoy here and now and this is no mere human monarch, this is God the creator of the universe God, the Lord of heaven, the one who has all power to do all that he wills. He's the ruler of history and the ruler of my history and yours. We can come to him and call him our Father. Yes, we're muddled sometimes. We've got all kinds of hang-ups. All the problems of our past are with us. We have mixed emotions and we have mixed motives. But does he turn us away? No, because we're adopted. We have the same right to come into the presence of our Heavenly Father as Jesus has. We are joint heirs with Christ. Can you see? This is something, yes, it began before the world began, but for now, for here and now, it is such a great blessing. But then we need to see from the Bible that it will be enjoyed only fully when we get to heaven. If you run down your finger in Romans 8 to verse 23 it says here we wait we wait eagerly we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Hold on, you see. You've told us we're already adopted. Why have we got to wait for it? Well, yes, we are already adopted. But we have to wait for the full enjoyment of it. That's got to wait until these bodies of ours are changed for the redemption of our bodies. What inhibits us, what presents us from fully enjoying the privilege of being children of God is the fact that we're still in a fallen world, in a fallen body. And I don't need to labour for you what that means. The memories that we have in our minds, which are a source of temptation. The failures that discourage us from coming with boldness to him. The fact that bits of our bodies wear out and we can't remember things that we should for our blessing. All these things are the living of a life with a fallen body. But the Bible says it's going to get better, isn't it? Is Jesus the healer of all our ills? Yes. And one day he's going to do it. One day he's going to bring redemption to our bodies as well as our spirits. And it's going to be the opportunity for us to enter into the inheritance in the world to come. And Wells he's the man who's going to have the privilege of preaching on that in a couple of weeks' time. I envy him. To preach on the subject of glorification is the reminder that the full enjoyment of our adoption awaits the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. The full rights of being God's adopted children. All right, very well then. What are we going to say about adoption speaking to us tonight? What is it going to mean as we close together this evening? I want to just bring three brief messages from this subject. And the first of them is this. God is not the father of everyone. If there is such a thing as some people being adopted into God's family, that means not everybody is in God's family. Now, most people that you meet, most people that you will talk to, if they think about God and think about spiritual things at all, they assume today that we're all in God's family. If they're right, Paul is wrong. If they're right, the Bible is wrong. The Bible tells us that there is such a thing as being adopted into God's family. So all the rest of the people are not in God's family. However hard it may seem, whatever the problems that may bring, It's true, and it's true because that's the teaching of the Bible. Some have been adopted, and some have not. That's why the next thing I want to tell you about is even more important. And that's that anyone can be adopted by believing in Jesus. That was our text from John chapter 1, wasn't it? As many as received him, all who received him, To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Anybody, whatever their background, whatever their history, whatever their sins, whatever their rebellion, whatever their confusion, they can become God's children by believing in Jesus. By recognizing that alone as I am, I'll never be one of God's children. I'll never have the right to go to heaven. I'll never have the privilege of calling God my Father. And on my own, I can't do that. But by Jesus, I can. And by receiving him, by believing him, anyone can be adopted. And if that's something new to you, if that's something you've got to go home and think about, it's that something you've got to, to pray about, is that something you want to ask me about? Don't let this slip away. This is so important. We're not in God's family by nature. We can be in God's family by believing in Jesus. And the third thing, of course, is that nothing can rob believers of this right. Nothing. Not all the muddles we get into about our theology. Not all the problems we face in our Christian pilgrimage. Not all the works of the devil and the attempts he has to discourage us. Not all the problems that we're bound to face. In this world, you will have trouble, the Bible says. But those troubles cannot rob us of the right to be called his children. It's an act of God. His love is amazing. The certainty is absolute. Have you heard of a hymn writer called Top Lady? Not a present generation, but a few years ago, even before I was born. In one of his hymns, he wants to make this point clear. And he says, they are more happy, but not more secure, the glorified spirits in heaven. Yes, there are some people who have gone to heaven now My father John Gibson has gone to heaven and that's where he is now. He is secure in heaven but I am as secure as he He is because I am adopted into God's family and so can you be and don't let the devil ever rob you of that privilege. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing as we close now another hymn about...